The funny thing is, I had that game and I never played it, and I traded it in, wrapping in packs. <laughs> I love being a troll because you just get to piss so many people off. What would you rather be inside of? A giant robot or magical girl? <laughs> now we're stuck with you. I'm pretty sure I'm on a higher plane of existence than you. I was just about to bring that up. Nintendo, uh, yeah, I'm not even gonna say anything. We shall give you a quality show today. I'll be giving you at least 78%. Launching! Hello and welcome to the Anivision Podcast. I am Steve and I am joined with Amaro. What's up? And Jero. What's up? It has been quite a long time. <laughs> um, I do apologize. Life cra- catches up. All of us were busy at certain times. There was the ho- uh, Thanksgiving and so things were just kind of crazy. So podcast had to sit a little bit back on hold this Last few months, we haven't really done a too many podcasts, but I'm sure you were still interested in doing it. It just sometimes takes a little bit of a while uh, for mm-hmm. us to get going, especially I think this time of year, it was just a little more crazy. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. Um, we, so we got a bunch of cool topics to talk about today. Uh, cool or sad, <laughs> in a sense. Uh, we're going to talk about the death of E3, uh, some Sony news about removing contents. <clears throat> Uh, each of us brought our own little topic to talk about, and we will be reviewing uh, The Boy and the Heron. Uh, Amuro and I got to go see that in theater, and so we'll, you know, talk about Miyazaki's final, probably actually final for real this time, uh, movie. So let's go ahead and jump into E3 R.I.P. So if you don't remember, earlier this year it was canceled due to lack of interest. And I guess they decided, you know, enough is enough. E3 is no longer here. So going forward after, I believe, 28 years, E3 is no more. Yeah, it's uh, kind of sad because, you know, so many, so many years of doing this podcast, we would do E3 special episodes. And that was like the big, the big moment of the year where we could talk about all these like major game announcements. But now uh, a lot of companies have realized over the years that we can do our own thing and we'll be <laughs> totally fine. And yep. uh, we don't really need the E-Free vehicle anymore <laughs> because everybody can run their own show. Yeah. I, it, it's crazy because E-3, I mean, it's been around since the 90s. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it was created in a time where the internet wasn't as big as it is these days and you know like it was really it really was all about the show floor and vendors coming out to see stuff and and these video game companies hawking their wares and and you know magazines were like a big thing at the time so it actually gave those magazine editors time to like write up pieces about every game and you know like us the 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 people at home would be like waiting to to read about it and stuff like that and then the internet came along you know that's how we got our information but like it it just doesn't make e3 as a show does not make sense these days right because like i think the the writing was on the wall as soon as tendo dropped out and said now we can do our own thing like you said with the nintendo directs and sony like sony even like for a little bit was like we'll do our own playstation experience which was like a physical 
like uh you know gathering for people and fans to come but like they stopped doing that too and we're like mm-hmm. now nah, we'll just we'll just do digital uh presentations now and and like you said they don't have to kind of um compete against other news at the same time they can just be mm-hmm. like we're the focus for this week yeah i think so. that's the, the biggest th- kind of takeaway here like e3 was a big you know pissing match right I mean, how many times have we talked about, oh, Sony got one on Microsoft, Microsoft got one on Sony, you know, it was just, it was always like them fighting and, you know, it was felt, felt almost unnecessary in the last couple of, you know, last couple of E3 events. Um, and, and you are right. I think, you know, both of you guys are right, especially when it comes to digital events, being able to do that. I do think it's going to feel a little awkward because I think the one thing that will be interesting and kind of feel awkward is the announcements of the next you know the next i know generation of consoles right because that's mm-hmm. was always such a big event thing right now i feel like what they're going to end up having to do is is kind of similar to like an iphone or apple launch event they're going to have to invite people out and run their own events um instead of you know have this kind of big moment at e3 with all the other uh you know major game industry players there so that that'll be kind of an interesting experience um to see um and maybe maybe we'll see them adapt and and go to you know other events because i I believe the one in europe is still going on Um, gamescom and yeah so but you know how long is that gonna last you know especially with e3 Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it'll be interesting going forward. Um, I do feel like, I don't know. I, I think it's, it is interesting to see uh, the one thing E3 did that I always loved is being able to present tons of games and getting excited for them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is going to be the biggest thing lost to us because no, no matter even no matter what, like even if Ubisoft can run their own digital events, right? You're only going to see mm-hmm. Ubisoft stuff. And, how many times have you walked away from a single event going like that's super hype it's always the big events that you want to see everything so i think it'll be interesting to see how microsoft and sony in particular kind of adapt mainly because you know they're gonna have to really consider their own events they're gonna they're really gonna have to create something to drive hype because um, mm-hmm. even if they were doing a digital event right that digital event was still at the same time of E3. So, you know, people knew what to expect. And now they're going to have to do this major event um, Mm -hmm. planned for their own time to promote their own games and uh, exclusive stuff that they're getting to their console. Um, So I'll be curious to see how those kind of adapt into the, to the life of their own. And I, I definitely see that being a potential kind of avenue, especially for someone like Microsoft, which, you know, has much more to offer than just, you know, Xbox stuff and how they could do mm-hmm. their own almost weekend events or day long events yeah. um, to promote their stuff. So that'll be my kind of curious thing going yeah. forward to see what they decide. And, and perhaps over the long term, this is better for the industry because like it was always like every June was like the biggest month of the year for video games. And mm-hmm. there might have been a lot of pressure on certain developers to can can we get a trailer or can we get something kind of playable here whereas now you have a lot of smaller video events Uh, Sony and Microsoft may still do the one or two um, location events 
where they can they can have big stuff so they don't have to pressure so many different developers to get a demo out or whatever yeah i think that'll be the kind of an interesting thing too because it definitely was something where we would constantly hear about right like you know the the, the major game announcement and then it's like whatever happened to that like you know i think the big one of the biggest ones was like beyond good and evil too right you know, mm -hmm. it's like they announced it, it's going to happen, and then, you know, what right. happened to it. And, and there's been a like, lot of uh, games like that. Mm -hmm. Cyberpunk, I believe. Yeah, that game. Yeah, because I remember that video, and I was like, wow, this looks so cool. Now, despite how the game turned out when it was launched, right. um, you know, it definitely was something that was like, all right, how many years later did it actually come after the initial trailer? So, yeah, it's, it's definitely... That, that could definitely be good for the games industry, but we'll have to wait and see. All right, let's go ahead and move on to another kind of gaming topic. So Sony announced a few weeks ago that they will be removing over 1,300 Discovery Media shows on December 31st. Now, you might go, who really cares? <laughs> Uh, you know, they're going to remove Cake Boss and uh, Mistbuster, Mythbusters and stuff like that. But I do think that this is kind of an interesting, I guess, reminder that when you buy something digitally, you are really just renting it. Yeah. And you're at the, the streamer's uh, mercy of what is and isn't on a platform. <clears throat> this brings back the age-old argument of physical media is still relevant. <laughs> and, and you know, just the fact that, like, if you bought a movie, you know, like, even if you only watched it once or twice, the fact that, like, now they're just going to be, they can just arbitrarily be like, sorry, we don't have the rights to that anymore, so you no longer own this. It, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just really tells you yeah, if you like something enough to want to preserve it or keep it, you got to buy the physical media. That's that's what it really boils down to. Which is truly fascinating too, since um, you know physical media is dying. It's it's I know it's a hard it's a weird thing to say, and a lot of people say yeah. it, but it is absolutely dying. I mean, that's why they're not no longer selling DVDs in Australia anymore. Like they were just like yeah. you know another, it's it's not. It doesn't make any sense to, you know, ship DVDs down there. It's, you know, not very many people are buying them anymore. And I say DVDs, but, you know, it's Blu-rays and things right, like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, We're a month away from Best Buy. Yeah. No yeah, and Best and, Buy is about yeah. to remove them too. So it's it really is one of those things where it's like, as a culture, should we start buying things more physically? Well, well yeah. And so, I mean, like, when you say that that media is dying, it's more like it's being killed. You know, mm -hmm. because when these these companies like as soon as they were able to distribute games digitally, how many people argued, oh, this is great now because like, you know, they're cutting out the middleman. So it, it should be dropping the cost on these games. But day one, you're buying a digital copy of a game for $70, just <laughs> as you would if you bought the disc. Not to mention that then they're on top of that, they're selling you the the $90 digital collector's edition you know, for, for something that may have like some JPEGs, uh, or <laughs> an MP3, right, yeah. right? Like versus before you're getting some physical thing usually to go with it. Exactly. And so, and so like really what it all boils down to is that 
digital sales make these companies more money and they would prefer you spend your money that way and and at the end of the day they're selling you a license rather than the game it, in perpetuity so you know, you know uh piracy I, is, is good I, <laughs> I, I would actually argue against that um a little bit because i don't necessarily think they're it's it is being killed intentionally um because i do think it, it isn't just us that is you know we aren't the only ones that are uh, or, or, or say studios aren't the only ones that are killing media it really is a lack of people buying stuff i mean you you just look at something like the movie industry in particular mm -hmm. so many people just don't buy movies anymore it's well why buy well, yeah, it it's going right. to be on streaming and i think games games are very much mm -hmm. that same way i think there are, there are exceptions i think probably nintendo um cartridges in particular nintendo games tend to be probably bought more often but uh, I, video games right now, more people are buying, I think, digitally than physically anyway. Right. It, but, but you know, again, to your point, you, like you say that people aren't buying stuff, but that's because digital or media is more available, readily available than ever. But because it's more available, its stock and, and worth has become, you know, less, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you're not going to go and buy a $30 Blu-ray when you pay $30 for a Netflix subscription, which gives you thousands of shows you're not going to watch, yeah. right? Right. You know, so like, and those shows will stay up there for like maybe a month or two and then go away and maybe they'll come back. Yeah. But, you know, like now, you, now what you're seeing is stuff like, you know, being thrown <laughs> up on these uh, services and hopefully enough people watch them in the first day. <laughs> <laughs> you know for them to for them to get a season two but like more often than not like they get canceled immediately so it's like there used to be things like you know tv ratings or or physical media sales to incentivize people to make things those because those are going away like stuff is becoming more disposable than ever and like i i do think it is intentional i mean i don't i don't think it's not intentional i just think that we that people buying the physical media is uh i would say as equal of uh or if not more equal um to kind of the the has contributed to the problem than just you know studios and game publishers going uh, why do we still need to sell it physical anymore if we can just do it digitally i think if people were still buying the physical sales as as often then we would you know we wouldn't be hearing about uh you know companies no longer wanting to produce them or ship them out so i mean there were we just recently well i guess it was a couple months ago talked about how xbox was looking at you know possibly getting rid of uh, any disc version of their xbox series x you know their newest version will just have no no uh uh, uh you know, disc tray at all because right. their most popular console right now is the the one without the <clears> console, <throat> without the disc tray, the Series yeah. S. So yeah. I think we're going to see that continuing more trend. I mean, even Sony, right? I think Sony, you know, we, we talked about how, okay, admittingly, unfortunately dumb that their new kind of discless version or the disc version requires you to have an online access to trigger the disc thing to work. 
but just the fact that they are producing the console now in a way where they can just ship it without a disk drive and it's like an optional attachment if even tells me the future where we're headed is is definitely going to be way more digital and there might have to be a renaissance again as we start to see you know more people going like well you know i miss that physical media i miss being able to give my game to my friend or you know if i lose internet access i don't drop my game um mm -hmm. i don't i, I don't have lose access to my games you know things like that yeah. so it, it it will be curious going forward to see how this all affects but i i really wouldn't be surprised you know in 20 years when we're all still playing you know grand theft yeah. auto 6 um or eight or hopefully <laughs> no, no it'll be seven maybe by then if we're lucky um but you know it, if if physical is just not a thing anymore and that'll that'll be sad um yeah. especially you know with nintendo loving to kill their online stores yeah yeah i think it's the wii u recently yep and um, well the 3ds i think went for right right after that too so right yeah, and I remember that that talk about the Xbox, and I was saying I was totally fine with it. So I might be I'm part of the problem. So yeah, right? you're part of the problem, Jero. <laughs> and I was thinking about that as uh, even you know like the you were talking about shows you wouldn't watch, but like uh, since we last talked, Attack on Titan finally ended, like mm -hmm. for real. And I have the first three seasons on Blu-ray, but I thought should I buy the X? the other seasons like i don't know for sure like i mean i could like i mean i know it's the biggest thing crunch rolls ever released but you know you can't count on it being there 10 15 years down the road yeah i mean i, I have had that same issue too because like i was a big movie <clears throat> buyer and collector and so like you know collecting all the mcu stuff and i've been like yeah i gotta get it and gotta buy it you know but now it's kind of like do i want it i mean First off, my shelves get bigger. I already have a big enough DVD <laughs> shelf that I want to trim down, but find hard to do. Half of it's filled with old anime. That's really cool. Um, but it, it is definitely something where it's like you have to consider space, too. And that, that becomes a problem, too, I guess. Especially, you know, the older you get and the more media there is and more games there are. It's like mm -hmm. almost have to buy it digitally just so I don't have to put another freaking <laughs> thing on my shelf. Right. All right, um, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we're going to keep the boy and the heron last because uh, both Amara and I are, saw that, so we kind of want to give a good good discussion. So we're going to move on to bring your own topic where we each kind of brought our, our own little things we kind of wanted to speak about. Um, so we're going to move, I guess, a little bit outside of games, um, and we're going to go into a movie topic from Amaro because... He also saw Godzilla minus one and wants to kind of give us a rundown about what his thoughts were and how he liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Spoiler so, alert. He liked it. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. I, I did enjoy it. But it's it's really not too big of a surprise because if you see anybody talking about this movie, all they can talk about is how it's a masterpiece and how it, it put Hollywood in its place and, you know, yada, yada. Right. So. <clears throat> all that said like without the hyperbole it, it just really is a good movie and i think what it does uh to kind of separate itself from like the the american made godzilla movies that we've been getting since 2014 is that it it really does focus on the human characters but it tells a compelling story in a compelling setting 
right? So this movie takes us back to 1945, right at the end of World War II, you know, and you kind of like, if you know anything about history, you kind of know what kind of shape Japan was in at that point. Um, but it, it really does focus on the main character, Shikishima Koichi, who is a kamikaze pilot who doesn't go through with his duty. Uh, and so he has to kind of live with the shame of, of being a coward and running away and and coming back to, like, basically everything in rubble, right? Like, the parents that wanted him to come back alive from the war are dead, you know? And, and Tokyo's been reduced to rubble from the firebombings. And and then Godzilla shows up. <laughs> so it's like, you know, when, when you hear the title of Minus One, it's like G Japan was at zero, and Godzilla is bringing it back into the negatives. And and it's really, it's just a, a really good movie in terms of like the, the, the CG for the monster was good. Um, the characters were all lovable and, and interesting. Like you actually cared whether they died. Um, and it, you know, like it, it, like I've heard some people say that you could take Godzilla out of the movie and you still have an interesting period piece uh, a film. So uh, I definitely recommend that, that people go and, and check it out. Yeah, it's definitely one I wanted to see. I just didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do I do think it's interesting, and I saw a lot of people going, well, hey, look at this. It's, you know, this movie cost $20 million to make, and it's made a lot of money, but, you know, the last Godzilla movie cost like $200 million to make, and mm -hmm. I think those comparisons aren't fully fair. Um, cause, <laughs> definitely not because <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like cheap there's always been great movies that are not very expensive right mm -hmm. it's not necessarily about how much they they spend to make it as much as you know just knowing what's good or not and having competent directors and writers and actors um, yeah. which m would have been I guess some of the issues with oh, the last one last Godzilla movie not too bad um, not great but the one before it definitely the one with uh um, King of the Monsters. That that movie, I hated that movie. That movie was boring and uninteresting and had <laughs> dull characters. So, yeah. Uh, any of you guys watched? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, no. I've I've seen I've seen all the um, legendary movies and um, the the last Japanese live action Godzilla movie, Shin Godzilla, in twenty sixteen. Which mm -hmm. is, uh, have you guys seen that one? I have. Okay. Yeah, so I actually rewatched it just before going to see Minus One. And and that one's interesting because it's <laughs> it's directed by Hideaki Anno, who is famous for Evangelion. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And and Shin Godzilla was very much like it's not a movie for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Um because I, I saw it with, with uh, my mom and dad uh most recently and my mom was like that's the worst movie i've ever seen yeah <laughs> and my dad was like yeah i got the political satire so <laughs> <laughs> um and and so what i'll say about godzilla minus one is that it very much is a a film that anyone can go in and, and enjoy because it just it just hits that human element really really well um you mm -hmm. you feel for for the main characters and and their suffering um and, and I will say this, it's it's very anime, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It feels anime. If uh, you watched the Apple TV series yet, uh, Monarch? I have not. I, I don't have um, Apple TV, so I've not been watching it. 
Yeah, I, I did only. I got Apple TV for three months to catch up on all my shows, um, and I've been mm. watching it. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's it's pretty good for what it is, and it's got some interesting stories and monsters, so and characters. So, definitely recommend it if you know. I definitely recommend picking up Apple TV at some point if you've never gotten it, just because there are a lot of really awesome shows. So, and uh, I think this one kind of is good too. So, all right. Let's uh, go to uh, J-Row. We're going back to games. You want to talk about the Game Awards and some other things about the industry. Yep. So um, the Game Awards happened last week, and we had the usual slew of game reveals and trailers and uh, Hideo Kojima showing up and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> congrats to Baldur's Gate 3 on the Game of the Year award stuff. But um, No, no Bill Clinton I, references? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I guess they kept uh, kept watch of any random fans trying to sneak up on the stage or whatever. <clears throat> but um, I was watching the show, and I, I kind of feel like I feel like the show needs to kind of grow up a little bit. It kind of needs uh, uh, maturation. Like uh, a big thing that was talked about this week about the Game Awards was that when people went up to except their awards for best direction and all that stuff. They really were given like a max of like 30 seconds to say thank you and all of that stuff. And, and all of that before you could start hearing the music play out. Um, I know that there's kind of this like boredom with award shows and you see so many celebrities thank a million people and all that stuff. And uh, it was last year when, Chris Judge had won for Kratos. He was up there for like eight minutes just babbling on. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I kind of think like uh, the Game Awards, they went a little too far extreme the other way in not letting people uh, accept their award and, and have a little bit of time to talk. Uh, yeah, I think I saw a graphic somewhere. I can't find it. I was trying to find it, but they said like only like it was it was like. 18 minutes of the show or something like that maybe it was 18% of the show was actually them giving out an award and the rest of the show was just trailers and ads yeah pretty much um, and I feel like there, there's a good balance that you can have with showing new content in trailers and all that uh, recognizing uh, celebrating the past year's success in gaming. And there's a lot of good stuff released in 2023 and also like build on the future. Um, and I, I think they need to do a little bit more of that in this year. Um, another I mean, they thing. A, they had a pretty I, hype uh, concert with uh, <clears throat> Alan Wake too. You yeah, know. That, that was, that was great. That was one of my favorite, uh, musical performances that they've mm -hmm. done in a while. I'm, I'm still, uh, I still want to play two real soon, but, uh, that was cool. Um, I still need to finish one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still gotta, need I to? Find all, yeah. I gotta, I gotta find all those thermoses, man. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, at some point, like, I, I kind of, uh, just gave up because I was just excited to play two. And then I downloaded, <laughs> uh, Control. It was on sale for yeah. the PS5. Yeah, I bought Control. I was like, you know, I never played Control before, and so it was on sale. I was like, I'll buy it and I'll play this after I finish out Alan Wake Two. Yeah. Um. So, another thing about uh, like Jeff Keighley, 
I think he's, I don't think he's a bad person, but I think he's getting a little dick sucky with the, with the guys that he, that he brings on all the time. Like <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It, I think I, it was, it was, you know, it was cool when Kojima <laughs> was being kind of like mistreated by Konami. Yeah. And, and now it's been like, I'm best friends with Hideo Kojima and I'm get get off. Like, get off it, man. Like, yeah. we can see your erection. Please calm down. <laughs> hey, nothing is wrong with a little bit of a bro job. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but that, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a trailer. I, I don't know. Like, an overdose and working with Jordan Peele. I mean, it's nice, mm -hmm. but think about the amount of time that that sapped away from the show just for these guys mm -hmm. to be like, oh, he's great and he's great. And we're going to make this great thing. When, hey, it, that that was nothing. I, I and I think uh, like if you're if you're gonna bring something to the game awards, I think you got to bring a little more than what Kojima did. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's interesting though because we were talking about E3 being dead, and the game awards is basically just like E3, you know, on fast forward, right? You right. know, it gets all the major hits, and as the announcement trailers, you know, gets the celebrities on there. All done in a nice little package. It's not one major, you know, event over a weekend that costs, you know, millions of dollars to produce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing that I that I have for discussion is like the fact that uh, the Game Awards, they, they celebrate the industry. But I think there are times where they can shine a light on things that aren't as good. And mm -hmm. you look at this year in games... There, as many good games as there were, there's probably probably like tenfold or thousandfold the amount of jobs that have been laid off in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, just recently, uh, Hasbro uh, oh, yeah. announced that they're cutting like 1,100 jobs, and that's related to uh, the D&D &D stuff of Baldur's Gate. Bungie laid off a lot of people, and there's been some really questionable... Uh, quotes from the upper upper management of the company and i kind of feel like that and I, I don't know if crunch is really as significant of an issue these days but um i think overall i i, I do want to sh I, I i do want the game awards to be the big thing of the year that everybody can watch and talk about but i i do think that uh overall there, there's a little bit more balance in the way that they talk about stuff and, and not just go trailer to trailer to trailer like uh like we see with xbox during their presentations mm -hmm. you know i do think if we kind of kind of i guess backtracking a little bit to talk about layoffs and things i do think that unfortunately this is kind of like an inevitable um position that we are in right it's 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 something that the game industry has been kind of heading toward for the last several years now because you know these big product you know big budget games nowadays that we produce uh you know whether they're single player or multiplayer or stuff like that you know they're not anywhere as popular as games as a service where you can just kind of milk people over and over again and why you know have huge budgets huge teams to develop a brand new game uh, every couple of years when you can just sit there and release Call of Duty tweaked every now and then or, you know, even stuff like uh, 
you know, kill the Justice League, how it got delayed because people thought it was too much of a games of a service, but they're still talking about the game like it's going to be like a game right. service, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and it's and this is simply because you know people are walking away with, or studios, I should say, are walking away with so much money. I mean, un- unfortunately, it's part of the problem. The reason why we kind of joke about you know how it's going to take another 10 years for the next uh uh grand theft auto game which isn't even you know it's not even it's coming out for two more years right you know we're all super hyped about it but it's not 2025 uh game so you know but it's because there was no incentive for rockstar to make a new game when they were making hundreds of million dollars on a game they released you know they remastered 10 years ago (laughs) yeah 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 it's like you're making hundred million dollars every year, or three hundred million dollars, I think, every year off of that game. And like some games are struggling to sell, you know, two or three million copies. And we're talking about how that's exciting. You know, I think that's I think what uh, Elden Ring sold, I believe, um, what was it? They, they said like eight or nine million copies, which was really big. And it's like when you take that amount of money and time, multiply it by 70 and then think $70, you know, and then you think, well, you know, Rockstar made $300 million releasing updates that probably took them, you know, a couple of weeks to make, you know, um, it, it's no wonder that these game companies want to try to pivot more toward that smaller dev studios and more right. service games. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of sad and unfortunate, but yeah, cause, uh, uh, on a slightly different different note, like when Baldur's Gate came out, there is so so much talk about how oh it's a it's a fully featured game and you know they're not microtransactioning you to death and stuff and everybody was talking about this subject like maybe Baldur's Gate can affect some change and uh, I, that change is not in sight. <laughs> like no. you know, yeah. Street Fighter comes out with costumes and like collectively they're like almost a hundred dollars to buy all of them like let me, come on. let me tell you that change is not happening and the reason yeah. it's not happening is just simply because why you know for every boulders gate you get you know that's that's an exception to the rule most games do not do that so every right. boulders gate you get you're going to get countless other games that are just like okay we'll try this boulders gate model and it just doesn't work i mean Overwatch is, I think, a prime example of that, where they were talking about how, hey, now I know there's a lot of development stories and crap that that went through, but still, yeah. you know, its original vision was you buy it once and everything's free. And it turned out that, you know, we need to make more money or we want to make more money off of it. And, you know, even as much as people, you know, are critiquing certain practices and making like pay to win you know, tank heroes that are apparently better than everything else. You know, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, well, they're still making lots of money off of it. So mm-hmm. what, what incentive is it to go back or try to, 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 to emulate that Baldur's right. gate model? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it's just not going to happen. So that's just the reality we sit in and I don't think anyone should expect anything to change. I mean, right. uh, yeah. We're every once as I said, every once in a while we'll get that gym, you know, that yeah. studio being awesome and chill and not milking us. But mm-hmm. yeah, what's interesting about Bungie is, uh, you know, Sony buys them, but Bungie still has control. And then all this stuff came out about the layoffs and 
uh, sales projections off by 45%. And then the story came out later that if the sales were like, uh, I, f I forget the specifics, but it was like something where if they don't meet a number or something, Sony could basically take over the company. That's um, like really fascinating stuff considering how much Bungie values their independence. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, that's not surprising because it is always going to be one of those things where if they're doing good, why step in? Right. Uh, I mean, that's why, you know, when I, I do find it somewhat curious uh, because, you know, when Microsoft announced they were buying, uh, you know, they're, they're going to buy uh, Blizzard uh, and uh, Activision, they one of their big things that uh, they kind of announced and said um, was that, oh, we're going to give Blizzard their independence back because they felt that, you know, Activision may have been stepping in and doing too much, you know, forcing their hands. Mm -hmm. But somehow I don't necessarily think that's the right way to do it. <laughs> I, I think because yeah. I, I, what's going to end up happening is definitely going to be similar to the Bungie incidents. You know, they're not going to meet quotas. It's going to encourage bad culture. Um and it's it's just gonna be interesting to see how how much that kind of affects things going forward. But right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that that's my topic. All right, let's move on to my topic. Uh, another fantastic one to talk about: great industries lifting up their workers. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you've heard about it by now. It's something I've been wanting to talk about, but we haven't done the podcast in a while. Um, but if you haven't seen the news about uh, or haven't really been following along with the news that's happened with Jujutsu Kaisen, um, first off, if you've been watching their seasons, you've been getting one hell of a ride. It's like, and I'm not saying this because I'm like, oh, it's super hype and awesome. It's literally been some of the best, mm. you know, especially action anime that I've really, in, in terms of the constant awesomeness like the constant like this arc is just fight 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 i i probably can't name another show or anime that's ever done this many episodes in a row in a single arc where it's just fight after fight of just mm. that fight was dope yeah and i uh mm -hmm. i started watching season two this week I had uh, co-workers that were like, oh, I want to talk about it, but I don't want to spoil. You, yeah. you got to watch. Yeah. And it's absolutely dope. But apparently, and this is where things hurt, it's because they've been basically uh, abusing their animators. And their animators, and, you know, uh, if you follow us uh, on Twitter, if you, if you follow, you should follow Anime Blue. He's... He's a great, you know, great friend of the show. Great, you know, loves to listen, and he's a part of our Discord. Join that Discord. Uh, he always gives some really great insights to things that are going on. So I will never be able to do it justice. But um, you know, the animators have basically been dying, <laughs> um, and there's been all kinds of like, you know, layoffs or well, not layoffs, layoffs is a bad word, burnouts. Uh, anime, you know, animators just leaving production. Uh, studios have had to step in. To help finish production of these series of these episodes um and it's just been it's really been a shit show <laughs> um 
And, you know, it's just, it's like you sit there and you go, oh, that sucks. But it's such a good show. And I think that's just something that's like almost hard to sit in on, right? So it's, it's like, how much do you want to know your iPhone's made by Chinese labor, a uh, slave labor, right? Like, right. it's it's like it's in your face, and now you're presented with it. What what are you supposed to feel about it? And I I feel like it's just as so great as the season has been, the show has been. Like today is an episode came out, haven't had a chance to watch it. Really, really stoked on wanting to wait, can't wait to watch it, see what happens next. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just like this is just kind of laying on my head of like weighing me down and being like, Ooh, you know, I'm sitting here enjoying this, but some poor motherfucker <laughs> like <clears throat> wanted to die. And I completely understand that too. Cause like I've had times at work where I've been like so stressed out and I guarantee you no matter how much stress I felt at work, I, whatever these people have felt has probably been way worse. Um, I mean, Japanese culture, I mean, just to begin with, the Japanese work culture is brutal. And if it's brutal enough that animators are speaking out about it, that's got to be, you know, extra bad. That's, you know, that's makes me yeah. think of uh, ZOM 100. And I don't mean about the ZOM 100 production problems, but, you know, that first episode where you right. just see them being abused and everyone just dead inside. Um, yeah, it's just it's kind of sad and disappointing. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that over, you know, the 50-some years of animation that um, they've never truly been advocated for, all of Mm -hmm. the people that have worked on animation and stuff, because those those guys do get worked to the bone, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Sleeping in the studio, things of that nature, and you're making what, like, not much. I mean, not much. And in the end, itself is not that strong. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's easy to say, well, the Japanese workers should just strike. But, you know, if you know anything about Japanese culture, right? you know, that's that's basically death sentence for you ever trying to get a job in animation again. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it it is very unfortunate. And really, all we can do is just talk about it. <laughs> And yeah. I, I know my, me talking about it's not going to solve any problems. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, raising awareness, if it, if it gets one person to, to think a little differently, I mean, mm-hmm. that's good. And, and even if we still want to continue watching Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, I believe we can still like we can still enjoy it while calling out uh, horrible business practices. Yeah, I think that that is something we always have to consider. And it's something we've kind of discussed in the past, you know, how do you separate the creator from the work? But in this case, how do you separate the uh, the business practices from the mm-hmm. work? And it's just something, it, it, I mean, the reality is unless you are, you know, uh, some hippie that lives in the mountains and grows their own food yeah. and weaves their own clothes out of hemp, you know, something you're buying you just might not be aware is is very horribly some some point in the chain there's some horrible practice going on like even even the chocolate you buy right you know yeah the candy bars you buy that's like there's so much stuff going on between the farmers and the chocolate it's just like you can't really ever get away from it and that's just the reality of the life we live and 
We just have to be a little more conscious about what we do and be a little kinder. Yes. <laughs> um, that's just that's the way I try to operate my life. I just try to be a little kinder to people because I recognize, it's, you know, shit sucks. Don't mm -hmm. be a part of the problem. Right. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, and Amro still will never watch the show because he's too cool for it. Um, <laughs> show sucks. Watch Done to Done. Science Sorry is better. <laughs> all right so let's go ahead we'll move on to our final uh uh discussion uh we are going to talk about the boy and the heron or uh as uh it is known in japan um how do you live um is the kind of the, the literal english translation of it uh, it is somewhat it's, interesting it's important to me. i want to say it before you go further it's important to me that you guys know that i knew that's what it was called based on the kanji and the title uh, I was able to read it. I'm impressed. I'm very proud of myself. Because I didn't know that's what it was called. And then like the title came up and I was like, I was like, that's not the boy in the hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not surprised they changed the name. Let's be like, if you look at all the other Ghibli, Ghibli, uh, productions it, the boy in the heron is just a much more americanized ghibli name like if someone told yeah, me have totally. you seen the anime movie the boy in the heron and i had no i didn't know anything about it i'd say "Ooh, is that a ghibli movie <laughs> i mean it's just it, it just that's it, it screams ghibli so I, i'm not surprised they changed the name um but I, I guess big question here did you see it dubbed or subbed i did see it subbed so I saw it dubbed. Um, nice. Okay. I think it's one of those things where I almost always prefer the sub. But when <laughs> it comes to Ghibli pro products uh, or Ghibli movies, I just think they always do uh, a bang-up job with the dub. Right? They, mm -hmm. they get really great actors to come in and they do their thing. And it's just it's always just such a good experience. That I was like, I really want to experience this movie dubbed um, just simply because of that, even though it's probably be the last time I ever see unless they put, you know, something in a theater, an old school uh, a Hayao Miyazaki film um, is the last time I might see something in the theater for the first time for 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 Hayao Miyazaki. But I still like I, I really want to experience it dubbed. So that's what I did. Um but yeah, yeah so I don't think I, I don't think I made a conscious decision on that. It was just like that was the one showing that I could actually go to. Uh -huh. um, and and I was like, yeah, I mean, it's anime, so <laughs> I'll watch it in Japanese. Uh, but I did hear that uh, Robert Pattinson uh, was the voice of the Heron character in, in, in English dub. Uh, Mr. The Batman himself. And uh, I heard he did, did a pretty good job. Yeah, so I heard Robert Pattinson was one of, voicing one of the characters too, right? So I saw mm -hmm. I saw a big list of of the actors, and I was sitting there like, cool. Um, I didn't really watch any trailers or anything, so I didn't know what character he voiced. And mm -mm -mm. I was quite literally through the film going, did he voice? What, like, wait a minute, Robert? Pa who who's Robert Pattinson voicing? Because at first I was like, <laughs> did, did he, is he voicing the main character? Like, is it him? Because, like, did he just, like, really young his voice? And, you know, at the end when they ran the credits, I was like, holy shit, it was the Grey Heron. And it was just like, 
it it really it was like it was amazing like like i'll tell you this robert pattinson might twinkle like a like a goddamn disco ball when he steps in the sun but man can <laughs> the man has has an insane voice range like that was just that's why uh, incredible that's why batman that's why batman operates at night <laughs> he doesn't sparkle in the sunlight. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it, it, it was it was really good. I liked the voice, uh, even the main um, voice actor uh, Luca um, uh, Padovan, um, not an actor I'm familiar with at all, uh, who vo- voiced Mahito. He was really good too. Um, I mean, it really, it was just it was a stellar stellar dub. I, I do want to see it subbed at some point, like because I do mm-hmm. feel like all anime movies you have to experience subbed uh and dubbed um just because it's it's always a little more interesting to see how how things work out but uh definitely recommend watching it dubbed at some point if you haven't seen it but i I did make that conscious choice like i was literally looking at showings that work best um Mm -hmm. for 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 dubbed showings so uh i guess what you think what you think of the movie (laughs) i mean First off, one other thing to mention, the movie got number one in the box office. Now, to be fair, it was only like, still like $15 million or something like that. So it wasn't like a major mm-hmm. box office weekend, but still for an anime movie, quite impressive. So did want to bring that up. Uh, but what I thought about the movie, I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. I think legitimately one of the best, it, uh, I said Ghibli movies, but you know, Hayao Miyazaki films. I, I think it was, it definitely goes in my list of one of my favorites. I don't think it breaks the top two. Um, but maybe after a few rewatch, I think it could, it could potentially hit, you know, it could definitely get up there pretty high because I think this is one of those movies where, and I'm not going to get into too much spoilers because obviously it's very few people have watched it. I don't really want to encourage people to watch it. Um, but I definitely think out of, all the Ghibli movies I've seen, this movie to me was both surprisingly accessible and very deep. Like, yeah, on its surface, you could sit there and watch the movie and I think really enjoy it as, and this is kind of, I guess, the only spoilery thing I'll say. It's a very Alice in Wonderland kind of story, right? Um, mm. It definitely has that feel and you could really enjoy it on the surface like that. You know, a boy you know, gets lost in another world. Although this time he's trying to find someone who, who got, got taken there as well. Um, but still, you know, as a boy lost in a world and he's seeing these kind of fantastical things, um, and, and stuff like that. And I think you can really enjoy that kind of surface level stuff and think, wow, it's great. The score is great. Like, it's just such a, a kind of a great movie on that. But when you really dive into some of the themes and kind of the serious nature and stuff that's going on, like you can really get deep. So it's it's such an interesting experience because of that. And I think a lot of the Hayao Miyazaki films, you know, I'm not saying they're I, I love them to death, but I don't think necessarily they go as deep as this one does. Mm. Well, maybe see, maybe The Wind Rises has a lot more deep philosophical meanings to it, but <laughs> majority of his work. You, you kind of bucked my expectations here because I was coming in expecting you not to like the movie. What? And then, it, <laughs> but I forgot how much of a Miyazaki simp you are. <laughs> no. So here's the thing. I, I, I think 
I, I'm actually a little okay. First off, I'm a little disappointed in you um, <laughs> that you don't 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 understand my taste after knowing me for so long. Um, uh -huh. But I I really enjoy slow, methodical stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, I love my Jujutsu Kaisen, kicking butt, taking names, you know, stupid comic book movies. Um, but some of my favorite movies, like uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, you know, uh, I love the 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 reboot of uh, the Planet of the Apes movies, especially the second and the third one. Um, like, I love those kind of. Uh, those movies that kind of have this slow methodical pace to him that do definitely at times kind of build up to kind of epic moments, but definitely have those vibes. And I think this movie crushes those vibes. There's just moments where there's no talking. It's just an amazing score with like these kind of epic Money. scenes and kind of traveling moments, you know, that really, made me go oh this is just so interesting like i'm just i'm glued i love this kind of journey stuff this 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 kind of boy discovering the world aspect of it yeah yeah no definitely it's my my first reaction after getting out of the movie was this one's a thinker like you it, it, you really got to think and sit with it after you watch it and i think it, it probably would uh benefit from a rewatch um but but no like definitely everything that they did with the movie uh in terms of like it's it's kind of slow pace at the beginning and then slowly kind of introducing you to this this mystical world mm -hmm. um was, was fantastic and and i'll say again not really a spoiler because it happens in the beginning but like the scene with the fire mm -hmm. you know what oh, i'm yeah. talking about like that's it's a visual masterpiece like just mm -hmm. just that uh bit of animation at the beginning there was was incredible but what really shined throughout the movie was just like the 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 way that the small moments were were animated in, in such detail um you know him uh putting his bow together um like all this stuff in you know in, in god like it it, it was it was great like it was really great and i i will say like not so much about the movie itself but like speaking of it being number one at the box office like i went to like a 10 p.m showing and my theater was relatively full mm -hmm. um I, that was honestly kind of surprising to me so it, it, like it was one of those things where like normally i'm going into an anime movie and, and sitting there by myself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um uh, that's how i saw bell um you know i literally had this whole theater to myself uh but this one like i was surrounded by other people watching it and i was like oh man i are is this like holding their attention you know like because it it mm -hmm. is again like you said slow but i i don't think slow is the right word like it's more like it's methodical mm -hmm. um and and then it does pick up towards the middle where like it, it just kind of gets crazy but yeah no I, I loved it it was really good yeah and i think it's one of those it's one of those movies for me um and it sounds bad um but you're watching it and you know you sit there and i think when when he finally went into the other world, because it, it did take a long time for him to go, you know, until the point of the movie where he actually went to another world and started exploring that world. But there were moments where I was sitting there thinking, like, I was kind of, I was kind of sitting back and I was like, wait a minute, how how long is the runtime of this movie again? Because it, it's a two-hour movie, but 
it feels mm-hmm. longer. And I, and I know sometimes when you say like, oh, you're sitting in something and it feels longer, it, it makes it feel that makes it kind of feel bad. Um, but no, I mean, like, it's just it's so it catches it catch, catches you so much and you get so engrossed in it that you just sit there and go like, it's only been an hour, but it feels like, you know, I've been really glued into this world for much longer. Um, and I feel like that was a very it was a very good thing for me. So I definitely think that this is an amazing movie and it's definitely one I want to, I definitely see again. And, you know, it, I don't know how long it's going to be in the theater for, but, you know, it's definitely if you get a chance within the next couple of weeks, especially with, you know, holidays and stuff like that, mm-hmm. people have more time off. I would definitely recommend this being one of those you take time to go see. It's, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. It's, I was going to say, speaking of it, um, again, being at number one at the box office, uh, I believe it was nominated for a Golden Globe as well. Mm. Um, yeah, best and, animated film and yeah, score and original score. Which yes, <laughs> the, the the music was, a, um, but it, it's hard to talk about without going into like spoilers. Um, yeah, and, and I think I think that Mystique kind of carries over to how it was originally. Um, uh, uh, promoted in Japan because they they didn't show trailers for this movie in Japan. Like they literally put out a, tr- a poster, and then the movie came out and people <laughs> went and saw it. <laughs> um, and and so I, I think it's hard to go into like you know to to set expectations like when you don't know what the movie is about. But again, like it, it's it's something that kind of makes you think about it afterwards, and. <sighs> It really, the one thing I will say is that, like, in terms of it being Miyazaki's final movie, this one feels more like a final movie from him because Mm -hmm. there's so much of him in it. And specifically with with kind of how the way it ends, um, it's almost like an answer to him talking about his career um, and, and almost like him saying goodbye. So... So yeah, like that's yeah. that's one way one way to kind of interpret. The man the man is also eighty two years old, so the fact that yeah, we like, squeeze <laughs> another movie out of him is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this movie was supposed to come out in twenty twenty. Uh, and and it, you know, like, that. yeah, so like it it was, it's been it's been delayed a lot of times because of obviously the pandemic and and everything that happened with it, but um, if it's it's kind of crazy to think that like had this movie come out almost four years ago now um would he have made another movie but like you know the way it is now like where he's just he's just physically probably unable to do it um i don't think i I really do think it will be his last one yeah also, I don't want to admit it, but I, I am a Ghibli simp. I own all the steel Blu-ray <laughs> boxes, so physical media for the win, right? <laughs> um, hey, uh, nice callback. <laughs> yeah. That's going to wrap up this episode. Um, thank you for listening and following along our journey. Um, we will be back for, I mean, this will probably be the last one of the year. Um, we'll probably, maybe we'll, we'll get together and record the uh, best of 2023. That'll be our next big podcast we do. Um, so mm-hmm. do look for that as we talk about all the animating games that have come out this year and some of the stories that have happened. Um, so, but thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Anivision podcast for Amro and J Rowe. We'll see you next time. This is a good.
僕が生まれた日の空は高く遠く晴れ渡ってた行っておいでと背中を撫でる声を聞いたあの日季節の中ですれ違い時に人を傷つけながら光に触れて影を伸ばしてさらに空は遠く風を受け走り出す枯れ木を越えてくこの道の行く先に誰かが待てる光さす夢を見るいつの日も扉を今開け放つ秘密を暴くように飽きたらす思い馳せる地球儀を回すように僕が愛したあの人は誰も知らないところへ行ったあの日のままの優しい顔で今もどこか遠く握り込んだ秘密を忘れぬように最後まで思い馳せる地球儀を回すように「ああ小さな自分の正しい願いから始まるもの」「一つ寂しさを抱え」僕は道を曲がる風を受け走り出す枯れ木を越えてくこの道の行く先に誰かが待てる光さす夢を見るいつの日も扉を描い